Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. From the era that brought you names like Chamberlain, Russell, and West. The Chamberlain, he's got it. Jerry West made it from the other side of the midcourt strike. To the glory days of Magic and Kareem. Abdul-Jabbar is on the brink of an NBA all-time record. From a time where last-second shots were expected. Here comes Kobe. From way outside. Got it! Oh, man! Gets it to LeBron. For three for the win. Yes! LeBron James! And rings were handed out like candy. Here's Jordan. It's Duncan Dynasty with your host, Garrett Bougay, and it starts right now. Welcome to Duncan Dynasty. I'm your host, Garrett Bougay, and with me I've got a very special guest this week. He is a fellow sports business classroom alum, Darius Scott. Darius, thanks so much for coming on. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me. Now, uh... Darius, we're going to be trying our best to break down a hectic first few days of free agency. Uh, The first day of free agency was maybe the craziest day in the history of the NBA in terms of just so many moves. Of course, this year they they moved the free agency start time from midnight to uh, down to 6 p.m., and I think that really got the ball rolling, and and there was so many deals, it, it was really hard to keep up, honestly. Uh, but uh, I thought we would go through. Uh, I, I've made, I've compiled a list of, of of teams that I think are definite winners, teams that are definite losers, and then also some teams that I'm just kind of not sure about yet. I think there's still some uh, some things that need to be figured out before we can determine if they if they did a good job. Uh, but uh, let's get started with our conversation and talk about the Brooklyn Nets. They're they're the clear and obvious winner of this free agency signing uh, you know, a couple of the, the top-tier free agents this summer in Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant and signing them both to four-year contracts. Uh, they, uh, they also did a sign-in trade with the Warriors in which they traded away D'Angelo Russell, and obviously Russell wasn't going to be needed because they, uh, they acquired Irving uh, and also got a first-round pick for their troubles for doing that. Not too bad to upgrade your point guard and get a first-round pick in the process. Uh, They also signed Garrett Temple on a two-year, $10 million deal. And then one that's a little bit more confusing, uh, I think mainly because he's a friend of Durant and Irving, DeAndre Jordan was signed on a four-year, $40 million deal. So, Darius, what are your thoughts on on the free agency for the Brooklyn Nets so far? So my first thought was that... uh... Durant's obviously not going to play this year, but even, even, even 
win still. They're probably going to be, I'll say, an advantage team in the, in the playoffs for the East. Um, even with Kyrie, it's a huge upgrade over D'Angelo. And I, I, I would imagine in the fourth quarter, you're going to have him in, in a special day with handling the ball. And and like to, to me, like one, one of the biggest things is Kyrie, he's, he's the kind of guy where you know you're not going to get 82 games out of him. And this is when Spencer Dinwiddie Spencer is going to be able to take over. And like the addition of Torian Prince also, uh, I think he was traded just like a couple of days or maybe a week or so prior. So he's going to be big for them. And then the veteran leadership of Garrett Temple, like it's, it was, it's just a great offseason put together so far by the Nets. And really the only head scratcher is that DeAndre Jordan move. But if you needed him in order to get Durant and, and Kyrie, then I guess I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. But other than that, it's... Yeah, that's the that's the question, right? Is did Durant and Irving tell the organization that uh, you know you have to sign DeAndre to this contract if you want us to come? Of course, the two of them uh, were willing to take less than than the max. The initial reports were that Irving signed that one or four year, one hundred and forty two million dollar deal, and Durant the four year, one sixty four. I'm guessing that's going to be for both of them significantly less to get Jordan in there. Uh, So, yeah, if you're the Nets and and the two of them say, we need Jordan on this deal for us to come, you you obviously do it. But if not, uh, not only is that contract confusing, but it hurts them because, you know, if if those two guys were willing to take less less than the max and you've got a four-year, $40 million contract to offer up to anybody on the market, they, they easily could have gotten a more useful piece. Yeah, and I think the, the one thing that might come back to bite them later in the season is I personally think Jared Allen's a better player than DeAndre Jordan right now. And I don't even think it's close. Yeah, yeah. so if, 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 if later in the season DeAndre Jordan starts, starts talking about minutes, then you, know, you have a little bit of an issue that really shouldn't even be there. I think the only advantage to having DeAndre Jordan is he's a he's a much bigger body than Jared Allen and you'll probably need him against Joel Embiid. But other than that, DeAndre Jordan is essentially, I don't want to say useless because you do need a backup center, but I just can't imagine him being okay with getting backup center minutes. So I think that's going to cause an issue, but if, if, if they can somehow figure that out, I think this team is fine. Well, yeah, not only do you have to factor in the idea that DeAndre Jordan is already 31 years old, but but really this upcoming season is going to be more of a practice run because of Durant's situation. Going to be he's going to be out for the entire year, most likely with that Achilles. Uh, so this team is really looking to compete starting in the 2021 season. So that's another year of potential decline for DeAndre Jordan before they're actually even a contender. Uh, and you know the guy obviously is a good rebounder, but I would say he's he's a little bit of a hog in terms of of, of getting those rebounds and and you know fighting his own teammates to snatch them. Uh, but then also you know his his defense has been overrated for years. He's he's constantly jumping on pump fakes. Uh, you know isn't a, a super high effort player other than a, you know to try to get those rebounds. And then offensively he's so limited. Yes, he's he's still a good athlete. He's a good lob catcher on those alley oops. But, you know, he can't pass, he can't dribble, he can't shoot, uh, you know, and he can't post up. So he's extremely limited. And as you said, they've already got a a center on the roster uh, in Jared Allen that that is a far superior player and a lot younger as well. So hopefully 
uh, Jordan will, you know, not complain and, and be content with that bench roll, but we'll have to wait and see on that. But despite that, obviously it's a huge win for the Brooklyn Nets. You get two of the top, you know, five free agents in the class. And also, as you mentioned, a Garrett Temple, a guy that I think will fit in nicely. And they've been able to do this, unlike, you know, what the Lakers have done in, in acquiring LeBron and, uh, and Anthony Davis and basically getting rid of everybody on their roster except for Kyle Kuzma. The Nets were able to keep most of their valuable players that they've, uh, that they've drafted or signed in the last couple of years in the likes of Levert, in the likes of, uh, of Joe Harris, and, uh, and the aforementioned Jared Allen. To be honest, like the one piece that I'm kind of, I, I kind of like this guy, and I'm kind of confused what's going to happen to him is uh, uh Rodonis Kerr, because he played pretty well last year, and I think he might kind of, he, like, he might get phased out a little bit. Uh, maybe not this year because Durant's obviously not going to play, but in the following year, when when Durant's back, you have uh, um, Torian Prince and uh, Karis Avert. It's like I, I don't see a spot for for Kirks and I, I kind of like him. He, like he was a good he was a, he was a, he was a good young beast last year. Yeah, and there's been rumors that uh, you know I don't know if this has been confirmed. The idea that they may have to may have to get rid of him just to to make all of these new contracts work. But but yeah, he was a solid contributor. And I didn't even mention Spencer Dinwiddie earlier. He's he's a great backup point guard. Uh, so yeah, they've got a lot of young pieces, a, you know, a good foundation to build around, and this team, again, especially starting next season, should be uh, should be a contender once Durant is back and, and and he's at least pretty close to his old self. But uh, let's let's move on to my next team that I've got as as a winner so far in this free agency, and that is the Philadelphia 76ers. They uh, they have been probably. Uh, you know the the busiest team in terms of uh, having to make a bunch of uh, of moves. They uh, they it started with them losing JJ Redick to the New Orleans Pelicans. I was really worried that that was not going to be a good sign for the Sixers. Uh, Redick signed a two year twenty six point five million dollar deal with the Pelicans, uh, and then uh, it also uh, looked like Jimmy Butler was uh, was not interested in re-signing. He wanted to go to the Miami Heat. Another real bad sign. But uh, fortunately, Elton Brand and the Sixers were able to execute a sign-and-trade in which Butler went to, uh, to Miami, and they acquired Josh Richardson in return. And then the, the Clippers and Blazers also came into that, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Uh, but then, uh, you know, because they uh, you know, didn't have Butler on the, on the books anymore or Redick, they were able to have the cap space to sign Al Horford to a four-year, $109 million contract and uh, twelve million of that is in unlikely incentives uh, like uh, winning championships. Then they re-signed their uh, you know their youngest free agent in in twenty-six-year-old uh, Tobias Harris on a five-year, one hundred and eighty million dollar contract. They re-signed Mike Scott to two years and around ten million. And then also uh, just recently got uh, Kyle O'Quinn as a, as a third center there on the minimum. So. What are your thoughts on uh, on this roster shakeup that uh, that Elton Brand pulled off here in the last couple of days? I think trying to get Jimmy Butler back was probably the best thing they could have done. But since that wasn't going to happen because Butler didn't want to come back, this is probably the, the next best thing that they could have done. Like I think Elton Brand caught an, caught an audible at the last second when he realized Jimmy wasn't coming back, and he he, he hit this one out of the park. 
now, and like I think they they're going to set records on the defensive end this year with probably points allowed or or just have have a game where like the team just only scores like seventy points or something like that. It's it, it, like I, I think like this team just on defense is just going to they're they're just going to truck through the whole regular season. I, I don't see like regular season being an issue at all for this team because you have Embiid. And Horford, and I think Brett Brown's obviously going to stagger those guys' minutes. And then I think, like, the Sixers are really going to look into this year about playing and beat a lot less. So if you're going to do that, I feel like picking up picking up a Quinn, like, I feel comfortable resting and beat for, like, for, for a game or two. And you can let Horford be the center. Kyle Quinn, is, he's a fine backup center. And you have, like, the other players on the team that can still carry the load against other teams in the East. Uh, I think the team is set up right now for a ton of success during the regular season. Yeah, I uh, I think I'm even more optimistic than than most on this. You know, I I completely agree with your your you mentioning Kylo Quinn and you know obviously the Al Horford signing being real big. You know, you talk about not only Embiid but Horford has dealt with some some knee issues and he's also a little bit older as well. So you want to probably rest both of those guys a decent amount of games. And now on back-to-backs, you can have Embiid start one and Horford start the other, and you've got O'Quinn as the backup on both of those uh, nights. So they are really set at the center position. And, of course, they really can rest those guys and make sure that uh, when, when the playoffs come around, when those big games are around, that both of those guys are rested and uh, healthy heading into those games. I also like it because, you know, you talk about... J.J. Redick was, uh, you know, is 35 years old. You've essentially replaced him with a shooting guard in Josh Richardson, who I think, you know, isn't quite as good of an offensive player as Redick, but is vastly better defensively and is 10 years younger. So now you've got uh, a core of four guys that actually are, you know, a similar timeline. Now you've got Embiid, Simmons, Harris, and Richardson that are all under 27 years of age. So you've got a team that not only can compete for the now, uh, but uh, should be able to be pretty good for years to come. And I think there's still a little bit more work to be done because from what we know from with Ben Simmons, he still can't shoot. So Josh Richardson, he's a, he's a, he's, a, he's a great pickup, but he's not the shooter JJ was. And they're like they're still going to going to need more floor spacing because I, I I'm trying to say this. Uh, like, like now, I think they're going to be really good during the regular season. But as the playoffs come, you do need the shooters. You do need the floor spacing. And just looking at the roster now, um, they don't have that. So, I, so I, I, like, there's still a ton of free agency left. They, they can still go and get guys. Um, I thought Seth, Seth Curry would have been a guy they would have tried to key in on, especially with the offer that he got from, from, from Dallas. I thought they would have been able to get in. But I, I think that's, that's the only weakness this team, this team is lacking. But... Yeah, and and some of the complaints I've heard from from people about the defense, despite the fact that you know going from Reddick to to Richardson, I think everyone agrees their defense is going to be fantastic. But the idea that you've got Al Horford at the four spot and having maybe to defend a little bit more on the perimeter, and then Tobias Harris might be a more natural four defender. He's going to move up to the three and defend small forwards. Both of those guys may be a little bit below average in terms of moving their feet and keeping guys in front. But again, the advantage of having both Embiid and Horford, who are who are elite rim protectors, and five guys that are 6'6 or taller, 
you know, getting beat off of a dribble isn't the end of the world. Yeah, yeah, because Embiid has shown in his first couple years in the league that because uh, he, he, even with uh, JJ Redick, like he was like he he wasn't really a good defender at all, and the Sixers almost didn't really feel that disadvantage because guys can get to the rim if they want, but Embiid's there to just turn pretty much every everybody away, or at least make you change your shot, or make you, make you second guess whether you want to come in there. So I agree that like Tobias on the perimeter, Al Horford on the perimeter, it's not ideal. But these guys are smart enough, they're savvy enough that I don't think that's going to be an issue. Yeah, and I definitely see the concerns offensively. I don't expect this team to be an elite offense, but I definitely could see them being, you know, the the number one or two defense in the league and and having at least a league average offense, and that'll make you a really darn good basketball team. And the other thing that, you know, was a little bit of a problem last year with the likes of, of Simmons... Harris, Reddick, and uh, you know that Butler combination is all four of those guys needed plays run for them to to really be impactful on offense. And now with Richardson and Horford in place of Reddick and uh, and Butler, those two guys are are much more comfortable just being role players and spotting up off the ball, which gives the ball uh, to to Simmons and Harris and Embiid more and allows them maybe to be the more full version of themselves. Right, I think uh, they're going to have to just turn it and be more than they have in the past, which even in the past, it's been a lot. But in in tight games and close games, even though Embiid has said no centers can't be the guys down down the stretch, Embiid's going to have to try and change that because I believe Josh Richardson can be a go-to guy, but I don't know if I fully trust him in that same capacity to, like the way they trusted Jimmy Butler last season. So I think it's going to, they're going to rely heavily upon Embiid to try and, and deliver in, in his close game. Yeah, and, and I, I certainly think Harris is capable of more. You know, you saw that in uh, with the Clippers when he was there. He's, you know, he's a guy that's capable of putting up twenty points a game. Uh, you know, yeah, he's he's maybe not the greatest number one option in, in crunch time in the world, but uh, you know, I think they can have an approach where different guys step up in different moments. And, and as you said, Richardson can handle some pick and roll as well. So, yeah, I think they're going to be able to make it work. I think they've got enough passing and collective basketball IQ to, to do that as well. But uh, let's move on to another team that I think is, you know, uh, has had a has had a, a terrific offseason, and that is the, uh, the Utah Jazz. Of course, prior to the, uh, the NBA draft, they, uh, they traded Kyle Korver, Jay Crowder, Grayson Allen, and two first-round picks to the Memphis Grizzlies and acquired Mike Conley. You know, they've been uh, kind of in a position in a team that has needed a, a better point guard for years now, and they finally got that. Conley is certainly a top-ten guy at his position, uh, a really good two-way player as well. And then once free agency started, uh, you know, there was the question whether they were going to retain Derek Favors and, and continue that experiment, but I think... Uh, you know, the, the Jazz had seen enough of the Favors-Gobert combo and realized that that just wasn't good enough offensively. So they uh, they end up trading Derek Favors to the New Orleans Pelicans for two second-round picks. And then they used the cap space in doing that to uh, to sign Boyan Bogdanovich from the Pacers on a four-year, $73 million contract. And then to replace uh, Derek Favors and especially his role as uh, the backup center, they signed Ed Davis to a two-year, $10 million contract. And then very recently, uh, they, they, they signed Jeff Green 
on a one-year, $2.5 million deal. So, Darius, what are your what are your thoughts on what the Jazz have done so far? I think they're another, another team that hit this one out of the park. They kind of, not kind of, they did realize what their weaknesses were uh, after back-to-back years getting outed by the Warriors and, and, and the Rockets. Um, that just going traditional power forward center with uh, Favors and Gobert is just not going to work in today's NBA. So, you know, they go a little smaller, go, go a little more athletic, and even their backup center now, he's he's like he's, he's a little smaller in, 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 in Davis, but he's he's just an ideal tough tough worker. Uh, he's he's going, to, he's going to do all the dirty work, and they got him for almost nothing. It seems like, and and then and then you add like the shooters and uh, Boyan Bogdanovich, and I don't, I don't know if I'll call Jeff Green a shooter, but a more athletic small forward slash power forward, and. This team is they are they're right there. Like a lot of people I hear some people picking them to be one of the best teams in the West. Um, I kinda wanna see it before I believe it, but they're definitely gonna gonna be up there like a top two or three seed, I think. Yeah, I uh, I absolutely love what they've done. You know, they've uh, they they've gone from a team that I think was was a below average shooting team to uh, to one of the better shooting teams in the league. You know, you talk about Conley, Mitchell, Bogdanovich, Ingles and even O'Neal off the bench, they've got, uh, you know, five out of maybe the eight or nine in their rotation, guys that are high 30s, even 40% catch-and-shoot three-point three point shooters. And, of course, there was that stat in the uh, the series that they lost to Houston that the Jazz created the most wide-open three-point looks out of any team in the entire playoffs per game, and they just missed them. But this year, they've got plenty of shooting, and it, it looks like they've got, uh, you know, a, a enough creators as well. You talk about adding Conley Bogdanovich uh, to this team in terms of shot creation You to to, uh, to the likes of Mitchell and Ingles. You've now got four guys that can handle the rock and make plays. Yeah, and it was, uh, to me, I, I hated watching uh, just in the Rocket series when, when the Jazz couldn't get anything going, and you're just looking at Donovan Mitchell expecting him to do something for pretty much every play of the whole series, and obviously he, he wasn't going to be able to do it, and, and and now you see that they just address that need in so many so many like different areas. Um, you can get that playmaking from their small forward now, power forward. Uh, I guess depending who the power forward is at the time, but uh, Conley Conley can do it, Ingles can do it. It's it's like they just address several needs uh, like like this this free agency and. I'm really, I'm, I'm really, really excited because like this team is finally going to be good. It, 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 I feel like it's been a forever since I've been this team to be good, and I think they're probably, probably going to get there now. Yeah, and then you know the the concern obviously going from Derek Favors to Boyan Bogdanovich is going to be the defensive side of the ball. The Jazz have been a top five defense for several years running now. Um, so, you know, obviously they might take a, a, a small dip on the defensive side of the floor, but I think the offense is going to drastically improve for this team. And uh, the, I think the defense still has enough there. You know, you've got the two-time reigning defensive player of the year still in Gobert. He, he's not, he hasn't gone anywhere. Their backcourt defense is really solid in Conley, Mitchell, and then off the bench in Exum. And their wings, you know, despite the fact that you don't have anybody that you would say, I'm, I'm comfortable with this guy guarding a, a LeBron or a Durant or a Kawhi, you know, the, the likes of Ingles and O'Neal and 
and uh, as you mentioned, Jeff Green and, and Bogdanovich, uh, none of them are, are real weak links. They at least all try and, and know what they're doing on that side of the floor. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, the, the only uh, the only issue I have with this, where, where it's like it's just me nitpicking, is years for Bogdanovich uh, might be a little long because I, I I would suspect probably close to the third or fourth year he might start to to lose his touch, being that he's he's, he's thirty now. Um, but but the first the couple years of, of this contract, or even this year, and depending on what they do with Conley the year after that. Uh, this team, they're just they're gonna they're gonna be there. They're, like the offense is gonna be great. Uh, Gobert, I think for for whatever they're lacking, I'm, I think they're expecting him to just pick up all the, all the slack because uh, he he's just so good in the paint, defending the rim, uh, just turning their, everybody away. Um, yeah, the Chad teams they're, they're gonna be legit. Yeah, I agree about Bogdanovich. Yeah, when he's thirty four, that's probably not gonna be a good contract, but. You know, they, they've already traded for Conley, who's already in his low 30s. Uh, they, they definitely, that was a win-now mo- uh, move. So, uh, you know, if, if that's what it took to add that fourth year to get him to Utah, you know, and Utah isn't the greatest free agent destination. Uh, you know, people are already talking that the Bogdanovich deal is the greatest free agent signing in the history of the Jazz. Uh, so if it took that fourth year to get him, I think you just got to pull the trigger and do it because it's about the next couple of years and, and really trying to compete while Gobert is still in his prime and, and you know, Mitchell is, uh, you know, maybe maybe Mitchell's a few years away from entering his prime, but he's really good right now. Uh, and I think, you know, the Philadelphia 76ers realize that as well. You know, Simmons and Embiid are both young, but, uh, you know, they're, they're ready to win now, so why not just uh, build a team that, that has a chance to go for championships as soon as possible and not have a situation like the Oklahoma City Thunder suffered from where you had Westbrook, Durant, Harden, and Ibaka, and uh, they were so focused on the future that they were never able to actually get a championship with that great of a core. Yeah, and, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't mind it. I mean, the guys are young. Maybe they're not in their prime yet, but, I mean, you got you to gotta strike while the iron's hot. The, the Jazz have been, what, a top four or five seed the past two years, and and like they, they essentially didn't have any any help for for Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, give the guy some help now, and he's obviously going to continue to get better. Yeah, I mean, you never know. You never know, know what could happen. Just like we saw in the playoffs this year, you just you just never know. Yeah, and the uh, the only thing I still think they need to maybe maybe work on is that I, I I believe I heard they had to waive Howell Neto who's been a, a solid backup point guard for them the last couple of years. They, they, they will have Exum back, but given his durability issues, they certainly could use a, a third guard uh, to, uh, to back Mike Conley. Uh, but uh, other than that, I think their roster is, is solid across the board. So let's move on now to some teams that I uh, you know, wouldn't consider winners uh, or losers, but you know, they're, they're kind of in the middle. I think they did some things well. And some other things I'm a little iffy on, and, and it might just be a matter of, of time to figure out if if this was a good offseason for them. But let's go to the Golden State Warriors. Now, of course, they, they ended up losing Kevin Durant, and, and the big decision that Bob Myers made off of that was to sign and trade Durant to the Nets to acquire D'Angelo Russell in return. Of course, the Warriors didn't have the cap space to sign anybody uh, just outright, the only way you could do it was was through a sign and trade. 
without going salary and Durant going to another team. So they got Russell, who is a young, you know, promising point guard, but uh, they end up signing him to the max that Russell could get, uh, four years, $117 million. And then to, to also make that money work, they had to offload Andre Iguodala's salary to the Memphis Grizzlies, and they also uh, gave up a 2024 first-round pick with very little protection. It eventually becomes an unprotected first-round pick. And then also they, they gave up a first to the Nets uh, for them to facilitate that sign-and-trade. So giving up multiple first-round picks and Iguodala for the opportunity to get Russell, uh, you know, that, that's a little bit questionable. But they've, they've responded pretty well. They, uh, they were able to re-sign Kevon Looney with limited cap space, three-year, $15 million deal. And then most recently, they, uh, they signed Willie Cauley-Stein on a one-year contract, a little bit over the minimum. But uh, what, what's your thoughts on uh, what Bob Myers and the Warriors have done after the departure of the legend that is Kevin Durant? Yeah, I, I think the, the acquisition to try and get D'Angelo Russell was, it was a bit of a panic move because I, I, I kind of understand it. Like, when, when you have Steph Curry, who is maybe still in his prime or just maybe reaching the, the end of his prime, uh, you have to try and strike now still, even though like you've, you've suffered injuries to Clay Thompson and Durant leaves. I get the idea that you still have to try and win now, um, but I just don't like the fit of D'Angelo Russell because as... As as much of a, I guess, of a surprising year as he had last year, at least like scoring the ball, he's a bit overrated because I I, I don't I don't see his year last year and I it just didn't jump off the page to me as against the other people because he's still a big defensive liability. So putting him next to Steph Curry, um, I just don't know who's going to guard who when it, when it comes to uh, other teams' backboards. And and then uh, the, the the other moves they made. I'm actually, I'm actually kind of on, on board with those because I, I think they still want to have the identity of we want that that kind of defense where we can try and switch as, as much as possible. We, we, we want the versatile front court, and I think you see that with bringing back Kabon Mooney. You, you, you add uh, Roy Cauley-Stein, and obviously with, with Draymond at the four, you, like, you have those, those big men that are able to guard the perimeter, and the only question I have is who's going to play small and what are they going to do with this backcourt and, and, and defense? Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting question. And, you know, for the people that are, are very pro this Russell trade, and I've heard a few of them, I think their their main thoughts are that this team wasn't really going to compete for the playoffs this year anyway because of the absence of Clay Thompson for likely the majority of the season. Uh, so this would be kind of a transition year. And what D'Angelo Russell allows is not only a guy that I think fans are excited about. You know, the, the Warriors are moving into a new arena this season. So you do want to have some guys that, that people can get excited about. And it also allows you, because, as you mentioned, Russell plays the same position as Curry, to maybe rest Curry and, and, and make it so that he doesn't have as, as hard of a workload this year. Uh, again, looking forward as opposed to in the near term. Uh, and then maybe you can eventually trade D'Angelo Russell for something that, that better fits this roster. You know, the, there was a lot of talk that the Minnesota Timberwolves were, were trying to work uh, their cap space to, to sign Russell. So, you know, maybe if they were able to, to do a move in the future six months from now or a year from now and get a guy like Robert Covington and, and Josh Okogie, 
you know, that there are ways that this could work, and it does only take one team to like a player for you to, to get off a contract that I think is an overpay. Yeah, um, and I, 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 guess I agree with that, that, like, they're definitely going to try and move him as soon as possible, uh, maybe even after, after six month, uh, at the six-month signing, after signing a free agent period. Um, but, like, that's assuming all things go well. Like, if D'Angelo Russell's playing well and the other team likes what they're seeing and the Warriors like the other pieces that the other team has, which is, I guess, it's looking like it could, it could be the Timberwolves. But in this scenario that they are stuck with D'Angelo Russell for, for the entire year, was this move worth it? Well, yeah, again, it, it all probably depends on the, the lens of thinking whether this year matters or not. And again, I think a lot of people, maybe in the Warriors organization, with Clay out for the vast majority of the year with that ACL, and most of the time, even when guys come back from the ACL, they're not fully themselves, that, that this Warriors team this season was not going to compete. Uh, so if you look at it from that lens even if you're not able to find a trade partner for D'Angelo Russell during this season or at the trade deadline, it, it wouldn't be the end of the world. Uh, but but certainly, yeah, I, I agree with you. I definitely question the fit if, if, if Bob Myers thinks this is a player that he sees on his roster for the entirety of this contract. And I just wanted to, to specify, you know, I, I, I think this contract is an overpay, and the reason I'd say so is because I think he is an average starting point guard at best. Uh, and, you know, you, you look at the NBA, and I'll, I'll name 10... I, I, I made up a list of 10 point guards right now that I think are, are most definitely better than, D, than D'Angelo Russell. You've got Steph Curry, Kyrie Irving, Damian Lillard, Russell Westbrook, Chris Paul, Kyle Lowry, Mike Conley, Kemba Walker, Jamal Murray, and De'Aaron Fox. That's 10 point guards right there. So if you're in the 11 to 20 uh, spots at your position, you're you're an average starter. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think giving an average starter over $100 million is extremely <laughs> excessive. Um, and and DeAndre Russell, like, he, to me, even last year, he, he showed he, like, he, had, he had a lot of flaws. Because um, when, when it came down to elite talent in the Sixers in, in the first round. But they, like, the Sixers put their best defender, Ben Simmons, on him. And Ben Simmons actually just took him out, out of the series. So like, to me, I, I, I just see like flaws in this, in this guy's game. And I get the idea that maybe like the Warriors are hoping this is going to be someone else's problem in, in the following year. But either way, someone's going to have to pay this guy the max money. And it's, it's just an end of extreme oversight. Yeah, and not only the, the the having to pay him over a hundred million, but the giving up Iguodala, which again, you know, some some people might say that losing Iguodala isn't that big of a deal, especially if you look at this year as kind of a, a transition season for the Warriors. Uh, you know, he is up there in age and, and may not be uh, may not even still be in the league in the twenty twenty one season. Uh, but but the the two first round picks and especially the the first round pick they gave up to to the Grizzlies are really costly, and you never know what a pick is going to end up being five years from now. Especially when that's past Steph Curry is like when like when his contract is up at that point. Right, and you don't know what's going to happen with the free agency of Draymond Green. You don't know what Clay Thompson's going to look like after this ACL tear. So yeah, there's a lot of question marks, and and obviously there are in those 
future seasons, there could be more injuries that uh, that put you back. So yeah, those are those are costly assets to give up. Uh, but again, I think there is a possibility that this still works out. Again, I think the fact that they were able to retain Looney, who's a who's a young starting caliber center, I think was 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 pretty good. That was a big concern signing Russell was that they didn't have enough cap space if a team offered Looney a big deal. Uh, not sure if Looney took a discount to to go back to the Warriors or if he just didn't have much on the table from other teams. But that was a big deal to to get him back. And uh, yeah, like I said, if if they're able to trade D'Angelo Russell here in in six months or a year and get some guys that better fit around Curry, Thompson, and Green, this might actually be a decent move. So that's why they're kind of in my in my maybe category. But let's move on to uh, to another team that that is in that same same setup, and that's the Sacramento Kings. Uh, they they made some good moves. Uh, you know, I think Dwayne Dedman. Uh, they signed him to a three-year, $41 million contract. Uh, they signed Trevor Ariza, two years, $25 million. Corey Joseph, a three-year, $37 million deal. And Rashawn Holmes at two years and $10 million. Apparently, you know, at, at first I thought that was a little bit much, especially giving, you know, a second year to Ariza and a third year to Joseph and a third year to Deadman. Uh, those guys are all in their late 20s and Ariza's already in his mid-30s. But apparently all of those deals are uh, mostly non-guaranteed on those final seasons. So that looks a little bit better. And I think the fit, especially with Deadman uh, next to Bagley, you know, Deadman is a guy that can protect the rim and space the floor, which are the two weak points of Bagley's game. So I think he's a perfect fit next to, to the Kings' young big. And then Ariza is a guy that can defend those, those big-time threes uh, those LeBron Jameses, the Kawhi Leonard's, the Kevin Durant's of the world that they just didn't have on the roster. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I really like what the Kings did. Uh, they kind of actually now have a bit of a log jam at small forward because you have Trevor Reza, Harrison Barnes, uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich, and uh, I guess they're going to uh, kick the Maya Bielisa to the side. Uh, but they're all like, like they're all good. And it's definitely a, a, a strong way to build off of uh, what they were able, able to, to do last year because Buddy Hill had, he, he had a surprise year, so I'm, I'm sure he like he's going to come back and, and be able to capitalize off, off that year. De'Aaron Fox, he's probably just only, only going to get better. And and like you said, the, the Dwayne Dedman contract that's big. It's, 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 it's really really good for this team, and um, I, I, I love the Rashawn's home. Rashawn Holmes pickup probably simply just because uh, I, I, I watched like the Sixers process like this whole time here in Philly and seeing like some of these process guys still hanging around uh, maybe it's not the best shit being that Rashawn Holmes is strictly just the dive to the rim and catch out these guy uh, <laughs> but but seeing him like, hanging around still uh, I, I think he'll, he'll, he'll be able to give the team some okay minutes yeah, it's it's fun for me to see Holmes still in the league as well because uh, you know I I live in Ohio and he went to to college at, at Bowling Green State University, which is about a half hour drive from where I live. So I was able to to see him quite a few times in his college career, and uh, he was an exciting athlete and and still is. So yeah, he's uh, he's an energetic player and he's essentially replacing Willie Cauley Stein, I would say, in their rotation. Uh, but. Uh, yeah, the the Corey Joseph move, I'm you know I, I'm kind of uh, whatever on you know I think uh, Yogi Ferrell is a decent backup point guard. Joseph is a, a little bit of a step up, 
from Farrell, but I don't think it's it's so huge that it's worth giving a guy like uh, you know twelve, thirteen million a year. Uh, but you know you, you've seen a lot of worse contracts given out over the years, and he's also a, a good example for a, a young point guard in De'Aaron Fox to learn from, especially in terms of how he approaches the game on defense. Yes, I would too. And you know, yeah, none of these signings are, are super flashy, but I think they they uh, they recognized what they needed, what holes they had, and, and what they needed to fill. And I think they did a reasonable job of that. Uh, even if some of these guys aren't necessarily on the on the timeline of their younger players, but again, because of those non guarantees on the last year, they're they're short enough that they should be able to get back into free agency again prior to uh, the likes of having to to extend De'Aaron Fox, but. Uh, Let's move on to a, to another team uh, that uh, has had an interesting and, and, and active offseason and free agency, and that is the Milwaukee Bucks. The Bucks re- re-signed Chris Middleton to a five-year, $178 million contract. They re-signed Brooke Lopez on a four-year, $52 million deal. And then the, they traded Malcolm Brogdon to the Indiana Pacers for a first-round pick and two second-round picks. And Brogdon ended up getting a four-year, eighty-five million dollar deal with, with the Indiana Pacers. Uh, then, uh, after giving up on Brogdon, they uh, they re-signed George Hill on a three-year, twenty-nine million dollar contract. And then they paired up the Lopez brothers by signing Brooks' brother Robin on, I believe, a one-year deal. And then they signed Wes Matthews on a one-year contract as well to sort of fill that void of Brogdon. So, uh, you know, my initial thoughts is that, you know, they, they should have paid up for Brogdon. They, they were so close to being a title contender last year. They've still got to convince Giannis that they're the team for him for the long term. Uh, so, so giving up on a young, talented player like Brogdon isn't good, especially when it's purely a financial decision. Uh, but I think they recovered reasonably well with those Hill, Lopez, and, and Matthews signings. Yeah, I think losing Brogdon was huge because he was he was he was he was kind of the guy that that saved the Bucks from Eric Eric Bledsoe. Um, I, I think they were like real aggressive with giving him that contract during the regular season because now it's not looking so great. But having having Brogdon there really uh, kind of settled things down. Just a guy who was a really consistent knockdown open uh, three point shooter. Um, I believe he was the league leader in free throw percentage. So. Like you lose a guy who's just automatically line and a real solid defender too. Like you, you just lose an all-around good player, and like you said, for for just not wanting to pay up, I'm I'm, I'm not with it. Especially like not that Middleton doesn't deserve it, but if, if you're handing out the max to Chris Middleton, you just got to pay up a little 
can keep that same team together because, like we said, with the uh, with the Jazz, you have a window now to win, and we have these young guys that are only going to get better. Um, you have to keep that window open as much as possible. So, not paying up for uh, for, for Biden, I'm really not with. But I do love getting Wes Matthews for the bare minimum. I mean, he's not the player he was, especially after his Achilles injury. But, but you got a guy who's gonna come off the bench, knock down threes, play some pretty good defense. Uh, I think that was a really good pickup for almost nothing. Yeah, uh, and again, I think he's uh, he's a guy that fits. Bootenholzer's scheme in terms of playing defense and and not, and, and shooting lots of threes. Wes Matthews is, is has never been shy in his career, jacking up three point shots. Uh, but uh, but yeah, you definitely lose something. Not only is Matthews significantly older than Brogdon, but you lose something there in terms of the the off the dribble playmaking that Brogdon has. He was very good, especially in the playoffs, in terms of knocking down threes. But then if the defense closed out on him, able to attack off the dribble, hit floaters, get all the way to the rim. And, you know, you need players like that outside of just your main guy in Giannis, and, and losing one of those off-the-dribble guys is is a big deal, especially because of what you said in terms of Bledsoe's poor play in the last couple of postseasons. And then also, you know, by getting rid of Brogdon and, and re-signing George Hill, you're trusting in George Hill that his play in last season's playoffs will continue, and the guy is uh, ha- has had some some durability issues throughout his career, and he's 33 years old. Yeah, I mean George Hill. If, 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 if they're banking on what he did last year, I, I, I like that's way too risky for me because he he had a fantastic postseason last year. He was, he was really good. He was actually better than Eric Bledsoe, but. He's 33, and you just I, you just can't bank on what you're going to get from him. Um, I'm kind of I'm, I'm I'm thinking that they're kind of leaning towards that, like they're going to get some some better play from uh, Dante DiVincenzo because like he, he missed a lot of the year, and I don't know what you would expect from him, but like he, he's a rookie that they they drafted in the first round, and if he's going to if they're expecting him to come back and give them something, I guess I can understand the move. Not that I, I not that I, I agree with it, but like that that's a guy that they pretty much didn't have for a long part of the season. Um but but again is they they they're they're gonna miss pretty much everything that Biden given you know, Biden gave them because uh they're just not gonna find I, I don't think they're gonna find any anywhere else with the current guys in this roster. Yeah, it's I completely agree. The only reason I'm still kind of uh, you know, thinking this is this could end up being a decent offseason is they did get those draft picks for for trading away Brogdon, so maybe they could utilize those to 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 acquire a a player of Brogdon's caliber, even if it is for a rental at a later date. Uh, and uh, uh, from a from a comedic standpoint, uh, Zach Lowe uh, mentioned this on his uh, his Twitter account that. Uh, now with uh, with Brooke and Robin Lopez both both on the team, I think it's important that we we uh, take a moment and uh, say a prayer for Bucks Bango. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Every 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 game he's going to uh, he's going to go through. He's 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 going to he's going to have a rough uh, 40, 41 game. I'm saying this. Yeah, and for anyone listening that doesn't know what we're talking about, uh, Robin Lopez in particular has been known to harass. 
any mascot that he comes in contact with, and uh, I'm sure his uh, his twin brother Brooke is going to be happy to to join him in those uh, uh, those festivities. But uh, let's uh, let's move on to to the next team that I think is uh, is an interesting case, and that is the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, the Mavericks re-signed Kristaps Porzingis to a five-year, 158 million dollar contract. That's the the most that 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 Chris Tops was going to be able to get. So the Mavericks not getting any sort of injury uh, exclusion or you know non-guarantees thrown in there. It's the full boat for for uh, for Porzingis. They re-signed Maxi Kleba on a four-year, $35 million deal. Uh, they re-signed Wing, Dorian, Finney-Smith on a three-year, $12 million contract. And they also extended big man Dwight Powell for three years and $33 million. And then the, uh, the one signee that they, they've had so far that, that wasn't from already on their roster, that is Seth Curry. And he's actually formerly uh, uh, been a Dallas Maverick, so they know he fits in their system with Rick Carlisle. They signed... Uh, Steph's brother to a four-year, thirty-two million dollar deal, and and Darius, my big question for you as far as this Mavericks team was just retaining all of their guys and adding Seth Curry enough for you in terms of building around the likes of Doncic and uh, Porzingis. I'm okay with retaining all other guys because uh, Doncic is what going to be 19 and Porzingis is what 21-22 so like these guys are really really young I don't think we can truly expect them to to make like a huge dent like maybe they could make the playoffs but I, I wouldn't expect them to be that much of a factor in it because like these guys are just still extremely young so keeping these guys around them I'm, I, I'm okay with that to help them develop but at the price they paid for some of these guys that's where that's where they kind of lost me because uh, Dwight Powell's a little, a little older. So giving him, it was uh, three or four years for uh, thirty-three, three years, thirty-three. Yep. Three years for thirty-three. That's a bit expensive for me, Dwight Powell. He has, uh, he's he's an okay player. I, I would say like he has he has uh, some defensive struggles. Uh, Maxi Kleber, he's 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 a much better player to me in, in my opinion. So he, I think he's on a more affordable contract. Um, and then if you look at the, like the backcourt, I'm I'm a little uh, I don't know what's going to happen there with Tim Hardaway Jr., uh, Seth, Seth Curry, JJ Barea, Jalen Brunson, and obviously uh, the Dutch is going to be your main uh, ball handler. So with the other backcourt guys, I don't know what's going to happen there. So I am a little confused with some of their uh, with with some of this, but. I can't hate it because I, I don't think like we can't have super high expectations for these guys. Yeah, I um I agree with you about the Powell contract. You know, he's really all he is as an NBA player is he's a good role man to the basket. He's he's a good at vertical athlete. Doesn't provide much defensively or much offensively outside of of catching alley oops and finishing. So he has three years, thirty three for him. Uh, is is way too much. I completely agree with you there. But other than that, I'm I'm fine with you know Maxi Kleba four years thirty five. I think the fourth year was a team option. I'm completely fine with that. I think getting Finney Smith on a three year twelve million dollar deal is is really good business. You know he's a he's a wing that is a, you know at least a decent defender and is capable of hitting threes. You know those guys have a lot of value and that's a, a pretty decent contract. And even Seth Curry, four years, thirty-two million. You know, he's still a, a decently young player. 
eight million a year. That's uh, I think that's fair value on the market for him. Uh, I, I would have liked to have seen them maybe get some some injury exclusions for that Porzingis deal, but but I, I'm pretty pleased with the value other than that that Dwight Powell deal. And uh, I would also like to see them maybe add uh, another wing or two in the. But you know they they have the ability maybe in 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 a couple of years time once Tim Hardaway's contract comes off the books to to do just that. Yeah, yeah, I guess I should clarify that. I'm, I'm completely fine with everything except for the like the Dwight Dwight Powell deal. Um, I'm just, I just want to see like, how all this shakes out uh, because is Seth Curry actually going to be like is, is he going to be guy who starts next to, to uh, Doncic and then or is it going to be uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. or what? Like uh, Jalen Brunson actually had an extremely strong finish to, to the year last year, so I'm curious what uh, what his playing time is, is, is going to look like. Uh, it's, it's, it's just a, like, a lot of questions that I guess will be ironed out once we actually see this team take the floor. But um, I am actually pretty excited about it because they, they do have a lot of young pieces that are probably going to end up growing together. And not, probably not everybody's going to stay, but I'm sure a, a couple of these guys are going to stick together. And it's like, this, this is going to be good to you. Yeah, I don't, I don't know the answer to that, uh, that Jalen Brunson, Seth Curry question. I personally would probably start Curry because he's better as an off-ball shooter playing off of the likes of Doncic and Porzingis creating those open looks, whereas Brunson has a little bit better handle, has the ability to to create a little bit, so I think he would be useful on the second units when one of Doncic or Porzingis' playmaking is is on the bench. But yeah, that'll be fascinating to see, and certainly it'll be, you know, Doncic was one of my favorite people to watch on League Pass last year, and now with Porzingis as well, they're going to be fascinating. But let's move on now to a, to another team that uh, is kind of in that middle ground area for me, and that's the Boston Celtics. Of course, losing Kyrie Irving and Al Horford certainly hurts. They were able to make up for the loss of Irving by by signing Kemba Walker to a four-year, $142 million contract. And uh, in that deal, they also did a sign-and-trade in which they, they traded Terry Rozier to the, uh, to the Charlotte Hornets. This is a little bit prior to free agency, but during the draft, they traded Aaron Baines and the and the 22 pick to to the Phoenix Suns essentially for cap space. Not a huge fan of that move. Uh, but then they uh, they they re-signed Daniel Tice, uh, their uh, European big man on a two-year, ten million dollar contract, and then also signed Enos Cantor from the Blazers on a two-year, ten million dollar deal. So, uh, what's your thoughts on uh, on? On how Danny Ainge and the Celtics have uh, have gone about this off season. Uh, the, I, I think the the, the late add of Kemba Walker absolutely saved their 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 off season because before uh, Kemba Walker came in, came into the mix, uh, I was extremely pessimistic about where where this team was heading because they were going to they were they were going to have to count on Gordon Hayward reverting back to what what he was in, in Utah and. If, if if he was going to be that kind of good again, then sure, this team could like they would be, I guess, okay. But uh, Kemba Walker just uh, added him. I think he's a slight step down from from the level of player that Kyrie is, but it's it's not a full drop off at all. I think uh, having having Kemba in, in place of Kyrie, this team is going to be very good again. Um, and then if, if Gordon Hayward can continue to get better, uh, that just gives them an almost like a, a new player because like we didn't get anywhere close to the Gordon Hayward we thought we would get uh, when when he first signed and, and then you know and 
Ennis Kanter, I it, it is what it is. <laughs> I guess with Ennis Kanter, um, this team is, is like if, if he's going to be your starting center, then you're just going to have to hope this team is just an offensive juggernaut because there's going to be no defense. Um, but I'm I'm okay with with, with the Celtics offseason at, at this point just because like the, the Kemba Walker ad was it was huge. It, to me, like that that saved their their offseason. Yeah, and despite the fact that, as you said, Walker might not be quite as good as Irving, just not having Irving's uh, conspiracy theory ranting and his uh, his toxic personality in that locker room, maybe they can get back with Walker to the, the kind of chemistry they had when Isaiah Thomas was with the Celtics, where they kind of played above their collective talent. Uh, and, and I'm... I'm, uh, I believe, a little bit more optimistic than the average person in terms of Gordon Hayward eventually getting back to, to his, uh, his playing level with the Utah Jazz. We saw it with Paul George that it took a little more than a year for him to, to get back to, to playing like we expected him to. So I wouldn't be shocked if Hayward is back this year. And if he is, you know, you've got a great backcourt in, in, Walker, in Hay- Walker and Hayward, and you've still got that, those young wings and in Brown and, and, and Tatum. And yes, the, the center position is going to be a little bit questionable, but you know, I think there are teams that are in worse positions than having the likes of Cantor and Tice as far as that center spot. Yeah. And uh, I, I guess the, the guy to keep an eye on, cause I'm sure he's, he's going to get a opportunity this year. Robert Williams, uh, I believe time Lord is his, is his nickname, which, uh, I don't know if to think of that yet. Time Lord, but, um, with, with uh, Cantor just being just absent on defense, I'm sure down towards towards, towards the end of games, if, if they wanted an option who isn't Cantor or Tice, so it would probably be Robert Williams. So I'm, I'm sure uh, he'll have an opportunity to try and prove himself. I'm, I'm not sure what he's going to bring. I didn't really get the much opportunity to see him play uh, just because he played just very sparingly last year. Um, but that could be a, a, a potential option. Um, but like we're definitely going to get to see more of more more Tatum, more more Jalen Brown, and uh, and, and yeah, I I, I, th- I think they're going to be fine. I think they're going to end up being the top team in the East when it when it comes to seeding. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I think they're going to be fine. Yeah, and and of course they've got you know multiple first round picks and and Romeo Lankford, a guard from Indiana, and then Grant Williams, a. Uh, Potentially like a small ball five from uh, from Tennessee, uh, you know, and and also uh, an early second round pick and the likes of Carson Edwards. So you know, who knows? Maybe one of those guys will pop and be a real good contributor as a rookie. Even though most rookies don't don't end up being so. But yeah, the, the Celtics will be very interesting. And and after a a real down year last year, it'll be fascinating to see, uh, you know, how this team can sort of rebound and and uh, Danny Ainge, you know, is is still, I think, successfully walking that line between competing right for now and then also having future assets and building into the future. They've still got that uh, really valuable Memphis Grizzlies pick. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it'll be, uh, it'll be real interesting. But let's move on to, to another team that uh, I think had a, had a decent free agency, um, you know, albeit not, again, super flashy, but the, the Chicago Bulls. Uh, you know the the main couple of moves that they made that uh, I think were interesting is is getting Thaddeus Young on a three year forty one million dollar contract. 
He's uh, the type of defender that this team just totally lacked, especially on the wing and at that forward spot. Uh, and then also uh, signing and trading uh, for Thomas Sadoransky and offering him a, a three-year contract. You know, the, the Bulls obviously had uh, a real weak link at that point guard position with uh, with Chris Dunn, and, and Sadoransky is a big upgrade to go along with their uh, first-round pick and Kobe White. Yeah, I, I, I think they got Sadoransky on a really good deal, uh, three years, 30 million, and, and just getting a guy to replace Chris Dunn, I think was huge. Um, um, we're going to see Kobe White in there probably uh, between him and, him and Sato, like, like they're going to take over that uh, point guard spot. And then if Zach Levine can, you know, turn the corner on uh, defense, which, I mean, I don't know what to expect there. But, I mean, I, I think like the Bulls are heading in the right direction, surprisingly. Because uh, you have Otto Porter, he like he's a he, he's a solid small forward, uh, and I don't know uh, between Laurie uh, Markkinen and Thaddeus Young, um, like when it comes to crunch time, who do you want on the floor? I mean, I, I, I think you want to see your your uh, young guys develop, but at the same time, at the same time, when it just when it comes down to winning games, I think Thaddeus Young might be the better player, and obviously uh, Wendell Carter Jr. He's gonna he, he's gonna be the, the, the center. But I think they have a lot of good options to go with, and this is like this, this, this is a young team that's going to can continue to grow. And um, yeah, it's, there's a lot of a lot of good pieces. Yeah, you know, getting Porter and Young, as you said, really, uh, you know, two two positions at the three and the four that are extremely important in the modern NBA, and they they've now filled them with two very competent, solid NBA players. And uh, yeah, the uh, the, the comment about Young versus marketing in, in terms of closing games, you can also play kind of an offensive-defensive thing with that as well. You can, uh, on offensive possessions, you can you can go with marketing and on defensive possessions, you can go with Young. So they can play around with that a little bit as well. And, uh, yeah, they've, they've got some, some wise veterans on the roster to go to pair with some young talent that they've got. Yeah, I agree. I think they're... They're uh, they're doing well. They've drafted reasonably well the last couple of years, and they've acquired some talent that that not only is uh, you know quality NBA talent, but uh, good fits as well. Yeah, um, yeah. I I I really want to see like what happens with the point guard position because I like Saturday coming in free agency. I want to see a little team that needed a point guard and where like he would be. I don't know if him being the main guy is, is, is the best option, but I kind of want to see him more uh, in, a, in, in a in a world where he would get more time. So now that he's going there, I'm assuming Kobe White's going to going to start just because you know when you, when you take a guy first round, he's probably going to get the start. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really interested to see the combo of uh, Saturday and, and Kobe White and, and what happens there. And, um, Yeah, I mean, I think there's been there's been enough evidence to, to suggest that Chris Dunn is is never going to make it as a as a, an above average point guard, especially offensively in the NBA. So so yeah, I'd I'd much rather see them just see what uh, what Kobe White can do, give him some run, and and 
play through some mistakes. And, and yeah, Thomas Sadaransky, if you're if you're in crunch time and, and you need the, that veteran savvy, he, he can bring that. So yeah, it wouldn't shock me at all if uh, if Dunn is uh, is cast to the end of the bench. A little breaking news here as we're recording this. Uh, Emmanuel Moutier has agreed to a one-year deal with the Utah Jazz. So as I mentioned earlier, with them having to waive Howell Neto, they were able to get uh, that third point guard in Moutier. Yeah, I actually don't hate that. Uh, Moutier, he's like he, he was—he was never the guy the Nuggets expected. Um, he had in a, a very uh, up and down year in, in Europe last year. So uh, the Jazz uh, bringing him on as a guy who's definitely not going to be the guy. He's definitely not going to—they're not going to lean on him for for pretty much anything significant. Uh, yeah, as long as as long as these guys you're not expecting much from, I, I think uh, that's a that's a pretty good sign. Yeah, and again, speaking to uh, to the Chicago Bulls, we've got I've got a couple of uh, of deals here that have happened in the last couple of hours. Luke Cornett has agreed to a two year deal with the Bulls, according to Sham Sarania, and then also uh, Ryan Archidiakono has also agreed to a three year nine million dollar deal to return to the Bulls. So uh, there's another guy in Archie Diniacono that could potentially take minutes away from Dunn. That's that's pretty funny to me um, that uh, Chris Dunn might get uh, put out by Ryan Archidiacono because um, just just being here in Philly after after Archie Diacono, uh won the championship in Philadelphia, everybody like was saying like Archie is a nice player, but he'll never make it in the NBA. And now it looks like he might kick Chris Dunn off the bull. So. Uh, <laughs> I think that's irony as fine. Yeah. Uh, so let's let's move on now to a couple of teams that I have as uh, as the losers of free agency thus far, and uh, the obvious choice for this, as uh, as Stephen A is is probably still ranting about it somewhere. Uh, the the New York Knicks, of course, they were in position with that Kristaps Porzingis trade to uh, to have two max salary cap spaces and they were destined as uh, as their owner uh, suggested to to acquire some of the big priority free agents and they didn't get any of them of course uh, they went about 10 minutes away from the Knicks to the Brooklyn Nets uh, so the Knicks tried to rebound and and sign some guys they they ended up signing Julius Randle on a 3-year 63 million dollar contract Bobby Portis 2 years 31 Taj Gibson, two years, 20. Wayne Ellington on the two-year, $10 million deal. And Alfred Payton, two years, $16 million. So, uh, Darius, what are your thoughts on uh, on the Knicks and how they rebounded and uh, sort of their strategy? It seems to me like they, they opted to, other than Taj Gibson and, and Ellington, to go for some some young guys on one or two year contracts that uh, you know maybe if they pop they can they can hold on to them otherwise they can uh, try to uh, get back into free agency here in the in the next couple of years. So in my New York Knicks notes, uh, the first thing I wrote in capital letters was WTF um, <laughs> <laughs> because like this isn't I I, I don't think it's as Maybe it is as, as, as bad as you think it is, uh, because all this was done on the first, in the first couple of hours of free. Like everybody else is signing significant players that are going to impact their team in positive ways, and the Knicks are grabbing Julius Randle for three years, sixty-three million dollars. Um, so, like, 
is like the, the issue with Julius Randle is he's the, he's the kind of player that he's only good. Or I don't even say good. He's only productive on offense if he has the ball in his hand. If he doesn't have the ball in his hand, he's 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 a negative. Then on defense, he's also negative. And you have a rookie who you're trying to groom, and like Julius Randle isn't going to help RJ Barrett in any way. Right. Uh, and, the, <laughs> and then you have guys like Bobby Portis who is almost the same as Julius Randle, but not a little worse <laughs> like like these guys are like they're not good playmakers they're not good defenders and you're paying them a nice chunk of money the only positive that comes from this is that a lot of these guys are on one year deals with the second year being a team option so so next year after this season's over they don't have to bring a lot of these guys back but I think that's a positive but other than that they just signed a whole bunch of guys who aren't going to make the team better now, and they're not going to help the rookie that they need to groom. They're not going to help those guys be better. Yeah. Uh, the, I think the, the biggest thing for me looking at, at some of the guys they signed is they signed like the, the counting stats all-star team <laughs> to their roster. You know, Julius Randle and, you know, averaged 20 and 10. Bobby Portis, like 14 and 8. You know, Alfred Payton had that one half a season with Orlando where he averaged a triple-double. But none of these guys have actually proven that they actually help a team win. And so that, that to me, is, is the biggest thing. And then also getting Randall, Portis, and Gibson, you're, you're drafting a bunch of guys at that power-forward center position when you've already got Mitchell Robinson there, who uh, I would say has more potential than any of them. And then also you've got uh, Kevin Knox, who should be playing a lot at the four. Yeah, like everything was, like everything that they that the Knicks told us in February about we're going to have it, we're going to make a big splash in free agency. Uh, I don't know, maybe maybe this is is, is what they meant. They said they're going to make a big splash in free agency. And I, I think the biggest I don't thing, think so because the owner sent an apology letter to the fans. Yeah, like the big slap in the face was saying we weren't going to offer. Uh, Kevin Durant the max like that was like my jaw hit the floor and was like if Kevin Durant's in a wheelchair I'm offering him the max <laughs> like, I don't know I don't know what they're doing in New York <laughs> yeah it's uh, it's real questionable and as you said the only thing that maybe saves it a little bit is that a lot of these uh, later years of these deals are team options and uh, maybe a couple years down the road, they can uh, be a little bit uh, luckier with uh, getting some of those top-tier guys. But certainly the Knicks are, are going to be bad next year, and, and these free agent signings I don't think are going to help them much in terms of, uh, of winning basketball name, games next season. And, and yes, as you said, they're also not good fits with, uh, with R.J. Barrett. I was, uh, I was listening to a podcast, and, and someone was talking about the fact that a lot of the, you know, Mike Schmidt and a lot of those draft guys were talking about R.J. Barrett will be a lot better at the NBA level because there's spacing, but this team doesn't have any spacing for him. No, nah, yeah, this, this team is, is going to, uh, yeah, Alfred Payton can't shoot. Um, Dennis Smith Jr. isn't a known shooter. I guess, like, the only real, real shooter they have that you might truly be threatened by is Wayne Ellington. But <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I don't know what happened in that New York uh, war room on, on, on Sunday evening. I, I have no idea. 
Yeah, it's. Uh, I think they are the far and away the biggest loser of this free agency. But let's move on to uh, to another team I thought didn't have a great day, and that is the uh, or a great couple of days I should say, and that's the Orlando Magic. Uh, they uh, they gave uh, Nikola Vucevic a four year hundred million dollar deal. I think that's a bit of an overpay. I don't see what other team was offering him anywhere near that. Uh, Terrence Ross, four years, fifty four million. Uh, you know, that's a pretty penny for a guy that comes off your bench, and I already think the Denver Nuggets regret giving Will Barton that pretty much that same exact contract. Uh, and then also signing Al Farouk Aminu when you've got Aaron Gordon and uh, Jonathan Isaac on your roster. I mean, I, I get that uh, the, the, the Magic organization is obsessed with length, but at some point you've got to get some length that can actually shoot the basketball. Yeah, I was I was thinking like I'm pretty sure you know, everybody else might have been thinking. DJ Augustine was a pleasant surprise. Like he wasn't great last year, but he also wasn't terrible. But you need a point guard, and instead of you know getting a point guard, they drafted a power forward. Which, well, but they've got okay. they've got uh, they've got Markel Fultz, Darius. <laughs> well, the funny thing about that is he has he doesn't have a timetable for when he's going to play, so. Yeah, and they've already, I think they've already ruled him out of Summer League. Yeah, so, you know, we don't, so, they don't draft a point guard, which is, okay, you know, free agency still come up, you still attack point guards in that market. No, we go after uh, Alfred Camino, you know, another stretch power forward who's not really good at the stretch for it. So, so now you have uh, a center that you just signed, and you drafted a center last year who is probably not any good, then you have uh, stretch power forward in Aaron Gordon, stretch power forward in Alfred Camino, drafted power forward in Jonathan Isaac. Um, I think they need one more power forward to for, for the infinity gauntlet of power. Like, I, don't, I don't understand what happened. And the fourth year for Terrence Ross is like, why? Yeah. And even the the fourth year for Vooch is a little bit questionable too. I mean, he's uh, he, he's twenty eight himself, so yeah, it's uh, it's really puzzling. I don't know what the Magic are doing, and uh, you know, I, I totally understand the idea of bringing back some of their key contributors, and they enjoyed the fact that they were able to make the playoffs last year. Uh, but but yeah, the Al Farouk Aminos signing and, and the overpays to do so not not very good. Uh, let's move to my uh, my third and final team that I've got as a definitive loser so far in free agency, and that's the Portland Trailblazers. They uh, they they lost Enos Cantor to the to the Boston Celtics, and it was rumored that uh, Cantor suggested that Neil O'Shea and the Blazers gave him six minutes to make a decision, and uh, he he said I'm not going to do that, and so he went elsewhere. Uh, then uh, they. They traded away Mo Harkless and Myers Leonard in that uh, four-team trade in which Jimmy Butler went to the Heat and Josh Richardson went to the Sixers. They uh, they acquired Hassan Whiteside from Miami and and sent out Mo Harkless and Myers Leonard. Don't love that deal, you know. Mo Harkless is a solid wing uh, in a league that is desperate for wings, and and Myers Leonard gave them a, a three-point shooting big option that they no longer have now that they have Hassan Whiteside. Uh, and then also they lost Seth Curry to the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, they they ended up trading uh, Evan Turner for Kent Bazemore in what was really the only move of the offseason that I actually thought was was an intelligent decision. 
Yeah, so I don't hate their offseason. Um, a lot of it is it's, it's going to it's going to look bad if it doesn't work, and if it does work, it's going to be like oh, these guys are not as dumb as we thought because we don't know what's going to happen with uh, Nurkic. Like his, his his foot was just dangling in that in that just nasty accident last year. So like you don't know what kind of player he's he's going to be this year. So Sam Westside kind of gives you that center. I guess reinforcement if uh, Nurkic can't play at least to the level that you want him to, and then I, I guess the one thing that Blazers do have is a uh, an overload of I guess playable young players. You know, they draft uh, Nasir Little, they had Anthony Simons, who was their first round pick a year ago, barely saw the floor, but but apparently he's a guy with talent. So like I guess they expect him to get on the floor this year. They have Gary Trent Jr. Um, they have just a, like a number of guys who can take place. Uh, oh, and they bring back Rodney Hood on it. So they, they have a number of guys who can take who can take the floor in place of uh, losing Evan Turner in place of losing Seth Curry. Um, so like the moves, they'll look bad like losing Mo Harkless because I guess you're going to have to play Mario Hazonia. It's going to look bad if it doesn't work. But if, if, if it looks good, it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, it's, uh, and I should say, yeah, the, the Rodney Hood deal, they got him on a two-year $16 million contract. I do like that aspect of their offseason. Uh, but, but, yeah, I mean, for one, they, they've lost a lot of depth. I mean, I've got it as, you know, they're, they're losing six guys and bringing in two. They're going to have to rely on, as you said, I think they really like Simons, but, he didn't play for them in the playoffs last year, so we'll see how much he actually can contribute. Uh, and and yeah, they they've really lost those those wing guys that can defend the four position now. And as I said, also they've they've lost a little versatility at the center spot, losing Myers Leonard. Uh, he was you know a, a pretty big adjustment in that Warriors series where the they just didn't have enough shooting out there, and he provided that as an option. Yeah, so so that's. That's, that's the one thing where I think Dame and CJ are going to have to adjust where um, when the Warriors started, started to, to trap Dame and CJ, it was throw it to Myers Leonard, and hopefully one game, maybe he can drop 25 points in the first half, and, you know, that's what ended up happening. So, but you know, you're definitely not going to get that low on right side. Um, if, if, if you have nerve that you can make, you can pass them, you can actually make, make a play, but with right side, you're obviously not going to get that. However, with I guess with, with the addition of, of some of these guys, you're going to get upgraded shooting. So maybe Hassan Whiteside learns how to pass in Portland like he did it in Miami. And once they track Damon CJ, Hassan Whiteside can get it and actually pass the ball to somebody. I mean, that's that's actually a long shot. But is, there, are, there are ways this can work. Um, I don't know how optimistic I am that it will, but I, I feel like there are avenues that, that Portland can make the best of the situation. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think Baysmore is a, is a huge shooting upgrade over Evan Turner for sure. And uh, yeah, I think that's the big reason why Aminu and Harkless are gone now is that, uh, you know, they just couldn't hit shots uh, in the playoffs. Uh, or I guess, you know, Aminu, I think, has shot well in previous postseasons. It was just this postseason he was kind of cold. Uh, so that shows you kind of the the, the recency bias, even on GMs at times. They, they can be so focused on what just happened. Uh, and, and maybe overreact a little bit. But I think Aminu's contract w- was reasonable. The, the only reason I didn't like it for Orlando was because of the fact that it was just a, such a weird fit. 
But, you know, you talk about the shooting and losing Seth Curry is is no small deal because he was, uh, you know, the, percentage-wise, the best shooter on their team last year. Yeah, um, yeah his, his, a lot of these moves, I, I, I feel like they, they could have paid Seth Curry. Like, like, give, like, given what Dallas paid him, a lot of teams could have paid Seth Curry. So it might have been a good idea to, to keep him. But, but again, if, if you feel like Anthony Simons can, can give you close to what Seth Curry gave you, maybe not in terms of shooting, but just in, in overall playmaking, um, if you believe Rodney Hood can be that stretch guy, or I guess at some point Gary Gary Trent Jr. He's he's going to see the floor. If you think these guys can be can can fill in in in, in some way of what like of what you're losing, then it makes sense because instead of having to pay Steph Curry or not Steph Seth Curry uh, eight million a year, you can just use the guys on your bench who are making one. Yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be fascinating to see how this all how this all pans out for Portland. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm lower on Hassan Whiteside than I think most people are. A couple other uh, you know uh, updates in terms of some contracts signed. Most recent one, Wilson Chandler has agreed to a one-year deal with the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, so uh, another guy that the Nets are adding at least for this year to to combine with with uh, Kyrie Irving. Uh, and then also uh, the Philadelphia 76ers uh, are retaining James Ennis as well on a two-year, $4.2 million contract. And I thought Ennis was, was good for them last postseason. Yeah, yeah, Ennis, Ennis was good. He was, he was actually a guy who was finishing some, some games for them. So um, it's a good, it's a good uh, re-sign, but I'm still wary about where else they're going to get perimeter offense from. But uh, I don't hate the James Ennis side. So uh, there, there was one team I know specifically you wanted to, to discuss, and that is the uh, the Indiana Pacers. Why why do you find the, the what the Pacers have done uh, this off season so fascinating? Well, the addition of, of, of Brogdon is huge. I'm um, getting him, and hopefully, if Victor Oladipo can come back to being close to what, to what he was, that is a very dynamic backcourt in terms of offense and defense. Um, and then I'd be curious to see what they do with. Uh, Lamb and, and TJ Warren because because um, the, the, your starting point guard shooting guard would be Brogdon and Victor Oladipo. But then at the three, are you going to start TJ Warren or are you going to put Jeremy Lamb there? And I guess they're going to have to roll with Sabonis and Miles Turner. They're, they're going to try that combination out at Power and Center to see how it works. Um, and I and I think if, if they can get a combination that works, whether you got TJ Warren at the four or Sabonis at the four. If they could put the other good starting line, they have a lot of, maybe not a lot, but it's, it's, it's a solid start to like what could be a really, really good team because when it was just Victor Oladipo there, um, they were they were seventh seed, I, I believe, a couple years ago when they played the Cavs. That took the Cavs to seven games. And many, and many think they actually should have beat them. And at that point, it was really just Victor Oladipo just working his magic. So now that they actually got some scorers and some good defensive players centered around him, Miles Turner has taken a huge step forward, definitely in terms of defense and three-point shooting. Um, the Pacers could be like a real surprising team. Yeah, um, I I like some of what they've done. As you said, Malcolm Brogdon, I think, yeah, he's a perfect fit next to Oladipo. I like a guy that doesn't need the ball in his hands as much at, at point guard next to Oladipo and let Oladipo kind of be the Russell Westbrook type of, uh, of offensive initiator. 
Uh, so yeah, that's a that's a perfect fit. They both can can play off the ball, shoot the three, and they both can initiate a little bit as well. Um, the uh, yeah, the Jeremy Lamb addition I think is on is a fair contract, three for thirty one, and and getting him next to uh, you know uh, getting him to fill in for Oladipo as well while Oladipo is returning from his injury is is going to be important. The 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 issue I'm I'm a little bit down about is the idea that they lost both Bogdanovich and Thaddeus Young, and those guys were both very key contributors. and And at the three and four spots, they they've gotten a lot weaker. Despite the addition of T.J. Warren, I thought that was a good move, essentially getting him for for nothing uh, from from Phoenix. But yeah, they they've lost a, a lot of defense on that uh, on that front line now. And and I'm not a big fan of the idea of playing Sabonis and Turner together. That uh, that just to me doesn't have enough spacing. It's and you know with Nate McMillan not having the most modern of offense, I just can't imagine that that's going to be uh, going to be too great on that end of the floor. Yeah, I do think that will, that will ultimately be like that team's Achilles heel is they don't have like a real option at the power forward spot. Um, I. I guess they they could go small in some cases, like when it, when it's just they need floor spacing, putting TJ Warren at the floor. But I don't love that for a thousand reasons. Um, but just looking at the roster, they don't have many other options to to do something at, at power forward. So it's it's going to have to be Demontis uh, Sabonis starting starting at the floor. And I mean, there's still some free agency left. I'm not sure what positives they, they can grab to help at, at this point, but I, I, I do think the downside of this team is pretty significant, and the upside is also significant as well. Yeah, it'll be it'll be fascinating. You know, a lot of teams have drastically changed their their roster construction, uh, so it will be uh, it will be really fun to watch, and it's something to look forward to. Here in the in the coming months, not only with summer league seeing seeing some of the some of the young guys, but then also that that first week of the season and even in the preseason will be really fascinating to see how these teams and these new players gel together. So Darius, was there was there any other uh, any other maybe a contract or or a team in particular that you were in, interested in in discussing before we go? Um, I, I think that's for me. I, like the, the real, I mean, I feel, I feel like all of us were just waiting on the quiet deal. That's that's going to be the big cherry on top for this massive free agency. Um, where he goes, I don't I think he's going back to Toronto, but whether it's the Lakers or the Clippers, uh, it's going to it's pretty much going to change the league. Interesting. So you already have ruled Toronto out. I still think Toronto has a fighter's chance, but uh, if you had to pick, where do you, where would you like to see him end up? <sighs> I wouldn't mind seeing him running back in Toronto. I, 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 I wouldn't mind that at all just because I just like seeing the champions try and hold their crown for as, as, as long as possible. So him being in, in Toronto would be my preference, but just just from like, like the whispers you see on Twitter, people just get the feeling that it's going to be either the Lakers or the, or the Clippers. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been a it's been a crazy couple of days. Of course, the the rumor was that uh, Jeannie Buss, the owner of the Lakers, her nephew announced that it's official. Kawhi's going to the Lakers, but it's already been a day since that rumor came out. We're recording this on Tuesday night, and uh, 
and uh, that we haven't gotten that Woj tweet yet. So uh, who knows what that what that is? And I've heard a lot of people also uh, joking that that Kawhi might look at that and say that uh, because the Lakers leaked that, I, I no longer trust them, and I'm going to move to somewhere else. But uh, yeah, it, it'll be uh, it'll be fascinating. And, and yes, Kawhi, whatever team Kawhi chooses, will also be a winner. Uh, so uh, it'll be uh, it'll be really interesting to see. But Darius, this was uh, this was a lot of fun covering a lot of ground. Thank you so much for taking the time. Yeah, man, we did a lot. So yeah, I appreciate you having me on. Thanks so much for listening to Duncan Dynasty. Uh, if you'd like to support the show, you can uh, you can subscribe to the program on iTunes. If you can leave a, uh, a rating and review, that would be greatly appreciated as well. Uh, the show is also now on Spotify. Uh, if you can uh, give the show a follow, again, a rating on there, uh, that uh, that really helps a lot. If uh, if you've got any uh, questions or comments or uh, or ideas for uh, for future episodes, uh, you can contact me. Uh, on Twitter at Garrett Bouguet, and also uh, my email is g bouguet at onu.edu. So uh, feel free to uh, to uh, give me any of your uh, ideas. I, I love to hear from uh, from the people listening to the program. And uh, enjoy the next week of the NBA calendar, and uh, have a great rest of your day. Leftovers or the DMV or house cleaning or Chumba Casino always brings the fun play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere you could redeem some serious prizes ChumbaCasino.com live the Chumba life no purchase necessary void prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details mobile phone companies say they offer home internet But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of Ookla speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details.